Well, uh, when we look at the state of the world, we can see that it's kind of changing, right? Can you guys see the change that are happening before your eyes? Uh, a lot of the change that is going on deals with, essentially, uh, how do we handle people that are different than us? I mean, I think everything that, that we're seeing boils down to this, and, and people have different reactions. Uh, there was a vote about a month ago uh, in Great Britain uh, over whether or not they should remain a part of the European Union. And when it came out, it came out that they voted to leave it. And when you were left with this question of why, why would you leave this EU, and, and, and when you listened to the side that was all about let's leave, their basic rhetoric was they didn't like the policies of the rest of the EU on immigration. Right, see, in the EU, if you come into one country, you basically are allowed to go to any country that's a part of the European Union. And so there was people in Germany and in Greece who were coming in, and then they were allowed to go wherever. And so great, a lot of the British people were very upset about this. And basically what it comes down to is they were very xenophobic. Okay? They, they did not like strangers, and that's why they voted against it. Uh, when we look at our own country, we see this a little bit, right, coming out. Uh, this last primary uh, season, Donald Trump, his entire rhetoric was based on how do we handle foreigners, right? We're going to build a wall, he said. We're going to not let any Muslims in. I mean, if you listen to what he said, that's what he was all about. And it resonated with people. And he won his party's nomination on xenophobia. And so, uh, that's really where we're at. How do we treat people that are different than us? And as Christians, I think we have to look at our lives and say, okay, how do we treat people that are different than us? And I think the passage we're going to look at today kind of gives us a guideline on this. Right? It doesn't necessarily talk about people that are different than us, but I think it talks about a characteristic that we should be having in our lives, and it should affect how we treat other people. Uh, we're in this series that we've called One Hit Wonders, looking at uh, the books of the Bible that have just one chapter. And today we're going to be in Second John. And so uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Second John with me. Second uh, John, it's uh, the third to last book of the Bible. Uh, and so you sh that should kind of help you out. So hopefully you're finding it. Uh, and as you're, as you're turning there, uh, I do want to kind of uh, talk a little bit about uh, the books of John, the books that John wrote uh, are written by the Apostle John. Uh, he wrote five books, the Gospel according to John, uh, three letters that bear his name, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and then the book of Revelation. Uh, all five books, uh, four of the five books were written in Ephesus. Uh, Revelation was written on the island of Patmos while he was uh, imprisoned there. Uh, and they were all written in the 80s and 90s A.D. So they're all written near the end of the first century. Uh, and uh, we want to kind of look at the first verse just to kind of uh, tell us, uh, set our scene for us. And so this is what it says in, in 2 John verse 1. The elder to the lady chosen by God and to her children whom I love in the truth. And not I only, but also all who know the truth. All right, so this is kind of uh, uh, John's introduction. Uh, he starts off by, by, as we mentioned last week, all the letters, almost all the letters in the Bible and in this time period, they started off with who is writing this letter. So who is writing this letter according to, to this? 
This is not a trick question. The elder. Okay, so uh, that kind of is ambiguous, right? Uh, who is the elder? Well, who knows, right? Uh, and, and so this is kind of how John writes. Uh, John never once mentions his name in the entire gospel of John. Uh, he calls himself one of the disciples. He calls himself uh, the disciple whom Jesus loves. He calls himself a, the son of Zebedee. But he never says, I am John. All right? And so here, uh, it's kind of the same way. The only time that John ever mentions himself in his writings is in the book of Revelation, at the beginning and at the end. All right, that's it. All right, so that kind of leaves us with this question of, of why is he so ambiguous? All right, why is he not talking about himself? Even when he addresses this lady, he doesn't really name the lady. All right, we, we, when we look at this, the wording that he chooses, the lady chosen by God, uh, it can be a number of different options. It could be a lady that he's writing to. Her name could not be mentioned. Her name may be Curia. Her name may be Electa. All right, we don't really know. All right, it's kind of a strange way that he words it. Uh, he, he's talking about her. Uh, it could be that, that he's talking about a church, right? And church is a feminine name in Greek, and so maybe he's saying to the church that's chosen by God. All right, but when we read it, we kind of see that he's talking to an individual and to a collective. And so maybe he's talking to a lady that has a church in her home. All right, so he's very, it's very vague on who is being written to and who is writing. And so we have to kind of look at the Roman history as to why, why is he doing this? Uh, in the Roman Empire, there was some persecution of Christians early on, uh, but mainly it was done by the Jews. The Jews would follow wherever Paul went, and it, they would persecute the church because they were not following the way of Jewish people. All right, but uh, Judaism kind of fell out of uh, reputes in the late in the 80s 70 when the temple was destroyed and they had rebelled and so uh, by the time we get into the 80s and 90s AD it's not the Jews that they're worried about but the Roman Empire itself you know Nero he made it a common practice of for the Romans to persecute Christians anytime anything went bad Christians were the ones that were blamed and they were the ones that were thrown to the lions and they were the ones that were uh, crucified because of whatever was going on. And so it's possible that John is vague in all of his writings simply because he's not wanting himself to be caught by the authorities. You know, if he says the elder, well, they can go look for the elder, right? But who are they going to find? Well, not really anyone. All right, and so that's just kind of how John writes. And so uh, we'll see that next week when we look at Third John. He will address it the same way the elders talking to you. Uh, and so when we're looking at this elder, we can, he can mean one of two things. He can mean that he's talking, he's calling himself an old man. All right, uh, and and by 80s and 90s AD, he would have been old. All right, he would have been 70 or 80. Uh, and in that era, that is considerable age. All right, and and so he could be calling himself the old man. Or he could be talking about a position in the church. All right? He could be talking, I am the elder. And, and based on who is receiving this, they would have understood, okay, we know exactly who you're talking about. We're talking about John. And so John is writing this, uh, and he's going to have one theme. And the theme is introduced in the first three verses. So we're going to read verse 1 again uh, and read through the uh, verse 3. And this is what it says. The elder to the lady chosen by God and to her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth who live, uh, which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace 
mercy and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and in love. All right, and so the, uh, the two themes that John is going to talk about, and they're kind of, uh, for John and his writings, they're kind of inseparable. It's a theme of truth and love. All right, and, and when you read the writings of John, when you read the gospel, when you read 1 John especially, when you read 2 John, and even when we read 3 John, you will see that these themes come up over and over and o- over again. And they are, are things that... Uh, for John, is, are essential for faith and salvation. You must be in the truth, and you must be acting in love. And if you aren't doing those two things, John says you're not a Christian. He, that's essentially what he says, okay? So let's kind of look at these two themes. The first one is truth, all right? Truth uh, in, it appears all throughout John's writings. We see it over and over again, Jesus and Pilate will be discussing with each other during the trials. And, and eventually Jesus starts to talk about truth. And what is Pilate's response? His response is, what is truth? All right, that, that's what his response is. That is the climax of the, their conversation together. And it actually ends the conversation. They're talking. They're having good rapport. And finally, they talk about truth. And Pilate's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he leaves. And he goes before everybody else. And Jesus is taken off and crucified. Uh, Jesus will say in, in the Gospel of John that the truth will set us free. All right? You must know the truth, and the truth will set you free is what he says. Uh, Early on in the book of John, uh, he's talking to a Samaritan woman, Jesus is, and he's talking about worshiping God. And what does he say? That the true worshipers of God are the ones who worship God in spirit and in truth. See, truth for John is something that, that is necessary for salvation. And so what is truth? What what is truth according to John? Well, according to John, truth comes from Jesus. Jesus, in essence, is truth. Jesus says he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. And so it's a necessary thing to understand this truth. So what is truth that John is talking about? Well, truth is believing right things. All right. See, there's a lot of things going on. There's false teachers that are starting to come into the church that that the John is writing to. And, and they're teaching things that are contrary to everything that is found in the Bible. Uh, they're teaching things uh, about Jesus that are not true. And, and they were saying that to have salvation, you must have the truth that we know. And that's the only way you can be saved. Well, John is writing against these people, and he's saying, no, the only truth that you really need is Jesus and Jesus alone. And so if we understand this concept that that John is talking about, it's not something special. It's not something we can't know. Truth is Jesus and Jesus alone. And so we have to understand that as we're reading uh, what John is writing in the next couple weeks. All right, so truth is there. And, and, and how do we know that we are believing rightly? Well, for John, uh, the way that you know you have truth uh, is through imitation of God. All right, it's through imitating God in our lives out here. And so John will say things like, uh, if you live in darkness, you don't have the truth. 
Right, so what does it mean to live in darkness? Well, darkness and light in the books of John are dealing with how we live, right? Do you live in sin? And that's what Don, John calls darkness. Are you living the way that God says you should live in the light? All right, you have to choose which one you're going to be. Are you going to be in the light or in the darkness? And as Christians, if we want to know if we are living and believing right things, that means that we cannot be living in this darkness, that means if someone comes up here and says you are to do something that is completely against the Bible, then that is not truth. All right? If you are encouraged to sin and they say it's okay because God says it's okay, that is not truth. That is in darkness. All right? And there's a lot of that in the world today. There's a lot of that in the American church today. There's a lot of churches out there who teach you to live in darkness, All right? but they are not living in the truth. And so you can kind of examine your life. And see, are you living in truth by the way you live? Are you living in sin? If you're living in sin, then you're not in the truth that John is talking about. So that's one way. Another thing that John says over and over again is that to know you have the truth means that you are loving other people. And this is where it gets difficult, right? Do we love all people? And the love that, that John is talking about, and the and like these things, truth and love, they're inseparable in John, okay? So love, what is the love that John is talking about? Do we love people? Well, the love that John is talking about is uh, the Greek word agape. There are different Greek words that kind of describe love, and, and one of them is, is eros, and it's this passionate love uh, that, that a lot of the Greek writers talk about. And then you have this phileo love, which is this uh, understanding that you are my brother and I will take care of you. But then there's this deeper love that, that comes in the Bible and comes uh, in the Jewish writings, and it's the agape love. It's a love that God showed the Jewish people even when the Jewish people rebelled against him. It's a love that God displayed in Jesus Christ when Jesus Christ came to this earth and died for all of mankind. It's this uh, understanding that no matter what you do to me, I'm still going to look for your best interests in life. Even if you stone me, I'm going to look out for your best interests. That is love. It's a choice in all things. All right? And so the question is, is, do we love all people? Because Jesus, he did. I mean, Jesus came to this earth and he went upon the cross and he took upon the sins of the world and he died for all of us here today and he died for all of mankind everywhere, even those who would reject him, even those who would do horrible things against humanity. See, Jesus, he loved the world so much that he died for people named Adolf Hitler. All right, people that, that did dangerous, bad things, okay? Jesus died for him, too. And Jesus loved the world so much that he died for people like Osama bin Laden, all right? He loved Osama bin Laden so much he died for him, all right? That's the type of love we are to express to the world. And so when we look at this thing that's going on in our world where where people who are different than us are treated with hate, that is not how we should act as Christians, the way we should act as Christians is to love all people despite what they do to us, despite how, mis how they mistreat us. We choose to be here with Jesus, and we choose to love them and to look out for their best interests, even if they're harming us. Do we love people this way? It's hard. 
I'm not saying it's easy. But this is the love that John says we must have if we're expecting salvation. John uh, continues in verse 4. He says, uh, it has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I am writing you a new command, but one that you've heard from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love that we walk in the obedience to his commands as you have heard from the beginning. His command is that you are to walk in love. All right, and so John, he, he's writing this letter, and, and we'll see that he has a couple of mixed emotions. All right, one of the things, emotions that he's having is joy. Uh, he, he is joyful over the fact that some of these people are walking uh, in truth. Right? And, and, and I kind of pictured this like a, a father's joy, right, for their children. See, John has been uh, in this area, this region, and he's probably been there for 30, 40 years. And he's been talking to people and, and encouraging them to live the way that they're supposed to live. And now he's starting to see it, and it's bringing him joy. Uh, as a father, uh, I have joy in my children. And for a moment, I want to share my proud, proud daddy moment, okay? I, my son, Micah, uh, who's four years old right now, uh, he loves soccer, and he loves to play. And so he, we, we've, and we've signed him up a couple of times for uh, the YMCA soccer leagues, uh, and he is really, really good at it. Uh, he understands that this is a ball and that you take it to the goal. And he will even stop it before it goes out of bounds and turn it back in, way better than everybody else's age. Usually, he will score more than any other per team, the other team combined, okay? That's usually how well he plays. Well, one of the things that, that I've been working with him is learning to pass to his teammates. And so uh, this last year, he would, he would go, and even when he would have a clear shot, without me telling him, he would look around for his teammate, pass it to his teammate, and then hold everybody back while his teammate scored. <laughs> All right, that, that's, that's what he was doing. And, and, and as a father, I'm like, yes, that's what I want. That's awesome. That's great character building for him. And that's a proud father, something that I've been working with him, and then he just clicked this last year. You know, he, he understood what he was supposed to do without me. I had to actually tell him, just score. <laughs> you know, go ahead and score yourself here on this day. Yes. Right, and so that's just one of those moments. And that's what I kind of picture with John when he's writing this. I've been talking to you guys about this. And I've been encouraging you. And you're doing it. And I have joy in this. Right, and so he then uh, he continues to talk about this love. And, and he talks about... Uh, something that we should be doing. He says you are to love one another. Uh, John, Jesus, at the end of the book of John, he, he looks to his disciples and he says, this is how the world knows you're my disciples, if you love one another. And so, so this idea of love, uh, it's an idea that, that needs to be permeating throughout all of who we are, loving the brotherhood, loving other people, I mean, this is what Jesus constantly talked about in his Gospels, in his messages that he talks about to people. Do you love people? And John kind of gives us a definition here, right? What is love? But that you walk in obedience to the commands that Jesus has given. Now, it's, it's a really wonderful understanding that, that love is how we live our lives. And we're to live them out everywhere we go. 
You know, yes, it's really easy to love people that are here, right? We're all here for the same reason. We're all here to worship God for the greatness that he is and for what he's done for us. But how do we love people when it gets tough? Do we love people at home with our spouses and with our children and with our grandchildren when they're annoying the heck out of us? Do we love them then? Do we, do we love people when we go to work and, and they may treat us badly and they may, uh, you know, maybe they, they don't, our boss doesn't like us and they, they just pick on us over and over and over again and make us do the difficult tasks. Do we love them in those moments? You know, do we love other people in our neighbor's hood? You know, do we love our neighbors that, that start the truck up at, at, at six o'clock in the morning while you're still sleeping and all your kids are sleeping? Do you love that person? You know, do you love everyone? Do you love the Muslims, even as they're killing people all over the place? You know, do you love them? Do you look out for their best interests? Do you love, you know, as Donald Trump says, the, the Mexicans that are coming in? Do you love them? Even if they're bringing crime, even if they're doing things that you're not supposed to do, do you love them? And this is what we are commanded to do over and over again. John continues in verse 7. Like I said, he had mixed emotions. So he has joy that they're living the life they're supposed to live. But he also has this emotion. He says, I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ are coming in the flesh, or Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh, have gone out into the world. And such person is a deceiver and an antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, but yet you may be fully rewarded. Anyone who, oh, verse 7 through 9. Uh, anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teachings of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teachings has both the Father and the Son. And so the other emotion that John has, while he has joy over here, he also has concern. You know, as a father, he has concern for this church, this lady and her children. All right, and, and, and the concern is over false teachers. See, the, the, this part of the world at this time, uh, they had people that traveled and, and preached. And what was happening was these people that were traveling and preaching, and they were teaching false things. You know, that's why it's important that we are in the truth. All right? we, we know what we believe, and we're believing the right things and not wrong things. Okay, Doctrine matters, if you will. All right? And so these people, their particular teaching was that Jesus didn't come in the flesh. Right, which kind of sounds weird to us, right? right? But it was a thing. You know, there's a, there's a, a teaching that went around that said basically uh, flesh was bad. It was evil. Materialism was evil. All right? And so if God is this all-perfect God who has no dealings with evil, then Jesus, who is God, cannot actually be in the flesh. And there's a lot of different ways that they tried to explain this. What does it mean? Was he a phantom? Was he not really there? There's a lot of different ways. And so John says, no, Jesus came in the flesh. And don't believe these guys. You know, you need to be in the truth. And he says, if you do not know the truth, then you don't have salvation. If you believe what these guys believe, then you're not believing correctly. And so it's important that we know what truth is. And, and we've already kind of explained that. It's not living in darkness, but living in light. It's loving people. If you do those things, then you probably more likely are in the truth. And we need to understand that. 
Uh, the last thing that John does, he closes out with this in verse 10. If anyone comes to you and does not uh, bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wickedness. And so he kind of uh, ends with this uh, pretty harsh standard. You know, if people are coming and they're teaching wrong things to you, don't welcome them as a part of your church. Don't allow them into the doors. Kick them out. Okay, so uh, this is the importance that John puts on having uh, truth. And then he ends with this. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your sister who is chosen by God send their greeting. And so that's, that's the letter of Second John. And it all centers around what two things? Let's see if you guys were listening. They center around truth and they center around love. And so these are two things that we need to have in our lives. So how does this play out in our lives? Well, I think we've been talking about it a little bit, haven't we? It plays out with how we are living. You know, how do we live our lives? Are we living in this constant truth, living not in darkness, but in light? And are we loving other people? Because those are the two things that we need. For John, these are the two essentials to salvation. If you're living in the light, if you're living in the truth of God that is revealed in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone, and if you're loving other people as you love yourself, if you're loving them with the agape love that Jesus showed us what it meant on the cross, then you have salvation. So my question, my challenge to you is this. Are you living those two things? Are you walking in truth? Are you loving other people no matter what they've done, no matter who they are? Because if not, maybe you can start today. Maybe today is the day that you say, you know what? Johnny over here, he, he did bad things to me, but I love him. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are grateful for Jesus and the example that he showed us on the cross. I pray, God, in my life, the, the people that have harmed me, the people that have done terrible things to me, that I will not hold a grudge against them, but rather I will show them the love that you displayed. I'm grateful for the love that you displayed in my life, for the sins that I committed against you and others. And I'm grateful that I have salvation because of what Jesus did. And I pray in my life that I can show that same love to whomever comes my way. Thank you, God, for just being the amazing and, and righteous God that you are. To your name we pray. Amen.